Welcome to Damn Good Movie Memories with your host, Ryan Davis. This podcast is the cure for your long commute and super boring work day. It's not easy to do what you did. You made my man look like a bunch of minimum wage mall cops. That's hurtful. Would you like to tell me where you received your training? Afghanistan? Chechnya? Who are you? much to achieve peace for through your arrogance and stupidity you have opened these peaceful realms and innocent lives to the horror and devastation of war you are a vain greedy cruel boy and you are an old man and a fool you're unworthy father i now take from you your power! I cast you out! Please open your eyes. Oh no, this is Earth, isn't it? Where did it come from? Your ancestors called it magic. And you call it science. I come from a place where they're one and the same. Disobey this king. His fate is in his own hands now. I will end this. Hey there, it's Brian Davis, and for this week's episode, we're going to cover the movie Thor from 2011. The studio was Paramount, but of course it was made by Marvel Studios. Release date was May 6, 2011. The running time, 114 minutes, and it was rated PG-13. The budget, $150 million. The box office took in $181 million. That's domestic, making it the 10th ranked movie of 2011. Now, it made an extra $268 million internationally. Rotten Tomatoes gives it 77% fresh from 291 reviews. Their consensus is a dazzling blockbuster that tempers its sweeping scope with wit, humor, and human drama. Thor is mighty Marvel entertainment. But one of those critics, and the great Roger Ebert at the time, gave it one and a half out of four stars. Here's his review. I didn't attend the critics' screening for Thor because it was at the same time as Ebertfest showing a small act, which was about an 88-year-old woman named Hildy Back. She'd flown from Sweden, and I wanted to be on stage to present her with the golden thumb. Missing Thor 3D was not an inconsolable loss, because I was able to see it in Chicago in nice, bright 2D. The house was surprisingly well-populated for an 8.50 p.m. screening on a Monday suggesting that some people, at least, will make an effort to avoid 3D. 
Thor is a failure as a movie, but a success as marketing and illustration of the ancient carnival tactic of telling the rubes anything that will get them into the tent. You won't believe what these girls take off, a Carney Barker promised me and my horny pals one steamy night at the Champaign County Fair. He was close. We didn't believe what they left on. <laughs> The failure of Thor begins at the story level, with a screenplay that essentially links special effects. Some of the dialogue is mock heroic. You are unworthy of your title, and I'll take from you your power. And some of it winks ironically. You know, for a crazy homeless person, he's pretty cut. It adapts the original Stan Lee strategy for Marvel, where the characters sometimes spoke out of character. The story might perhaps be adequate for an animated film for children, with Thor, Odin, and the others played by piglets. In the arena movies about comic book superheroes, it is a desolate vastation. Nothing exciting happens, nothing of interest is said, and the special effects evoke not a place or a time, but simply special effects. Thor, to begin with, is not an interesting character. The gods of Greek, Roman, and Norse mythology share the same problem, which is... What you see is what you get. They're defined by their attributes, not their personalities. Odin is Odin, and acts as Odin, and cannot act as anything other than Odin, and so on. Thor is a particularly limited case. What does he do? He wields a hammer. That is what he does. You don't have to be especially intelligent to wield a hammer, which is just as well. Because in the film, Thor, played by Chris Hemsworth, doesn't seem to be the brightest bulb in Asgard. The land, or spear, state of mind, heaven... Known as Asgard is described in North mythology as being near Troy, or perhaps Asia Minor. In the movie, as near as I can gather, it is not of this earth and must be elsewhere in the universe. It consists of towering spires and skyscrapers linked by bridges and buttresses and betraying no sign of a population except when untold thousands of Asgardians are required to line up like robotic Nazis to receive dictates from the throne of Odin, played by Anthony Hopkins. Superhero movies live and die on the quality of their villains. Thor has a shabby crew. The Frost Giants spend most of their time being frosty in their Sub-Zero Spear of Jontenheim and occasionally freezing their enemies. Thor's brother Loki, played by Tom Hiddleston, is a dark-haired, skinny, shifty-eyed, and sadly lacking in charisma. He might as well be wearing a name tag saying, Hi, I can't be trusted. <laughs> These villains lack adequate interest to supply a climactic battle. Here is a film that is scoring 77% in Rotten Tomatoes. For what? The standards for comic book superhero modes have been established by Superman, The Dark Knight, Spider-Man 2, and Iron Man. In that company, Thor is pitiful. Consider even the comparable villains like Lex Luthor, The Joker, Doc Ock, and Obadiah Stane. Memories of all four come instantly to mind. Will you be thinking of any Thor villain six minutes after this movie is over? The director given this project, Kenneth Branagh, once obtained funding for a magnificent 70mm version of Hamlet. And now he makes Thor. I wonder with dread, fear, if someone in Hollywood, stuck with a movie about a Norse god, said, Get Branagh! He deals with that Shakespeare crap. <laughs> That's the end of Ebert's tremendous review. And it's sad because two years later, Ebert would be gone and his terrific writing would be lost for everyone. And again, if you agree with his review or not, it's kind of, it doesn't really matter. He was, again, just great at writing film reviews, even in his later years. And prior to the current version of Thor, the only time you even heard about the character in a major motion picture was the funny gag that ran throughout the comedy adventures and babysitting from 1987 because the little girl in the film adored Thor. 
And while I agree with some of Ebert's points, he sadly didn't live long enough to see how the Thor films evolved better than any in the MCU, particularly Ragnarok. Okay, let's get into the making of the film. So Thor is the fourth movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and it's the first to really go outside of the modern planet Earth, or realm as the film calls it. And frankly, this is why I initially was very apprehensive about seeing Thor, since fantasy worlds usually bore me back to Earth. As frequent guest middle Mike Tyler often mentions, and you will hear on different episodes, not necessarily this one, what he often mentions about comic book adaptations is the longevity of certain characters had so many different iterations and storylines throughout the years, it's really a challenge to put it all into one film. And in Thor's case, he had over 50 years of history. So it's up to the makers of the MCU films to hone in on one particular version or decide to blend the history together. It's not an easy task, nor will it please everyone. Now, for Thor, it was a combination of Jack Kirby's original vision in the comics, Norse mythology, and a modern take about how grandiose things would be on Asgard. And while CGI was definitely used, you can't get around it nowadays, the sets were hand-built, especially for Odin's castle. And then for the costumes, they are very much a combination of old and modern, and very laborious for the actors to get in and out of. Director Kenneth Branagh was highly thought of by the cast as he started as an actor himself before becoming a director in the late 1980s. Branagh was initially approached to, on, to work on Thor in the summer of 2008, just as the first Iron Man film came out. Branagh actually had been a fan of Thor since childhood. When Marvel Studios selected him as the director, they sent him a complete collection of the Marvel Thor comic series as a reference material for the character, which is a dream come true for a fan. Chris Hemsworth immediately impressed Branagh and the producers from their first meetings. He had the look and he had the presence for the Thor character. And the way he told a story based on the character won everyone over. Hemsworth has the great ability to be forceful as the warrior, but also charming and funny at the same time. Not everyone can pull off this balance, but he does. And this was Hemsworth's fourth film. His first came with the reboot of Star Trek in 2009. For the role of Jane, Natalie Portman fit the bill of someone who would fit the love interest of Thor, but also be believable as a scientist. And considering Portman herself is a graduate of Harvard with a degree in psychology, and she obtained it while still continuing her acting career, well, that's quite impressive and fit the bill. Of course, the most well-renowned actor and well-respected actor of the cast is Sir Anthony Hopkins, who was a big fan of Kenneth Branagh and wanted to work with him. Hopkins even credits Branagh for renewing his interest in acting after many years in the business. So Hopkins signed on to play Odin despite having never read a Thor comic, nor knowing anything about the Thor mythology. It was the concept of the father and son relationship that intrigued him about the role. Now one of the great things the MCU films have done is not just making the films about a few fight scenes. They really do attempt to get into the characters themselves, similar to what Stan Lee and the classic writers envisioned and wrote about in the comics. And that is the mistake of the superhero movies that failed. It's really not about the fight scenes. That's kind of the gravy on top. The meat has to be that the viewer cares about the characters. Otherwise, it really doesn't matter about the action. Okay, let's get into the film. So it begins in New Mexico, where a team of research scientists are Jane Foster, Natalie Portman, Eric Selvig, played by Stellan Skarsgård, and Darcy Lewis, played by Kat Dennings, and they're investigating strange occurrences happening in space. The team does get their wish, and an enormous tornado-like stream comes pouring down from the sky. While attempting to get closer to the stream, their van hits a man. It's not revealed yet, but yes, it's Thor. 
So director Kenneth Branagh wanted to make sure the film started in modern times from the beginning of his involvement in this film. It was a nice teaser to ease the audience into the film and the supernatural feel of Thor's world. We are then taken back to Norway in the year 965 AD, and we hear the voice of Odin, played by Anthony Hopkins. Odin, of course, is the ruler of Asgard and the father of Thor. Once, mankind accepted a simple truth, that they were not alone in this universe. Some worlds, man believed to be home to their gods. Others, they knew to fear. From a realm of cold and darkness came the Frost Giants. Threatening to plunge the mortal world into a new ice age. But humanity would not face this threat alone. drove the Frost Giants back into the heart of their own world. The cost was great. In the end, their king fell. And the source of their power was taken from them. With the last great war ended, we withdrew from the other worlds and returned home the realm eternal, Asgard. Here we remain as a beacon of hope, shining out across the stars. And though we have fallen into man's myths and legends, it was Asgard and its warriors that brought peace to the universe. We then see Odin with his two children, Thor and Loki. Even as a child, Thor is impulsive and arrogant, while Loki is more cerebral and reserved. But the day will come when one of you will have to defend that peace. Do the Frost Giants still live? When I'm king, I'll hunt the monsters down and slay them all. Just as you did, father. A wise king never seeks out war, but 
must always be ready for it. I'm ready, Father. So am I. Only one of you can ascend to the throne, but both of you were born to be king. Well, nothing like setting up a lifetime of sibling rivalries and resentment. Great job, Odin. Anyway, next we get the coronation of Thor as the successor of Odin as ruler of Asgard. Thor, Odin's son, my heir, my firstborn, so long entrusted with the mighty hammer Mjolnir, Forged in the heart of a dying star. Its power has no equal. As a weapon to destroy. Or as a tool to build. It is a fit companion for a king. I have defended Asgard. And the lives of the innocent across the nine realms. In the time of the great beginning. I swear. Do you swear to preserve the peace? I swear. Do you swear to cast aside all selfish ambition and to pledge yourself only to the good of the realm? I swear! And on this day, I, Odin Allfather, proclaim you The fade-out occurs as we are taken outside of the ceremony to where the main power source is held, the Casket of Ancient Winters. The Frost Giants attempted to take back the power source and killed a few guards, but did not succeed and we were killed themselves. Thor wants to go to war with the Frost Giants and pay back for the security breach. However, he's put in his place by Odin, who sternly reminds Thor that he's not yet the king, and the decisions are still made by the current ruler himself. Odin does not want a war, but Thor, of course, is young and arrogant and wants to make his mark. It's here we see how sneaky Loki is, played by Tom Hiddleston, as he casually confides in Thor that he agrees with Thor and that Asgard warriors should invade the Frost Giants to teach them a lesson, kind of egging on Thor. Loki knows Odin would forbid this, and therefore if Thor started a war against Odin's wishes, Thor could possibly have his eventual rule as of Asgard revoked, and the next in line would be, of course, Loki. So Thor, Loki, and Sif, and the group of warriors, three, Volstagg, Hogan, and Fandral, then go to the Bifrost Rainbow Bridge, which is a portal that teleports those that dare to different realms. The bridge is guarded by Hemdal, played by Idris Elba. Leave this to me. Good hand out. You're not dressed warmly enough. I'm sorry. Do you think that you can deceive me? 
must be mistaken. Enough! Heimdall, may we pass? Never has an enemy slipped my watch until this day. I wish to know how that happened. And tell no one where we have gone until we've returned. Understand? What happened? Silver tongue turned to lead. sworn oath to protect this realm as its gatekeeper. If your return threatens the safety of Asgard, Bifrost will remain closed to you. And you'll be left to die in the cold wastes of Jotunheim. Couldn't you just leave the bridge open for us? To leave the bridge open would unleash the full power of the Bifrost and destroy Jotunheim with you upon it. I have no plans to die today. None do. They make it to Jotunheim to confront the Frost Giants. The leader in the, of the Frost Giants suggests that Asgard is full of traitors who could have allowed a leak and break-in in an attempt to take the power source. A battle is almost averted, but you know what? That would make a boring movie, right? Oh, stop and think. Look around you. We're outnumbered. Know your place, brother. You know not what your actions would unleash. I do. Go now, while I still allow it. We will accept your most gracious offer. During the battle, there's a foreshadowing clue that Loki might not be who we think he is. The regular warriors, when touched by the Frost Giants, are left with a burn. Loki had his arm grabbed, but the burn melted away. So the first time you see this film, you may miss it, but if you've gone through the MCU, you already know what's going on, but we'll get to that later. Thor kicks some ass, but he's way outnumbered, and just before the battle could get really out of hand for the Asgard warriors, Odin shows up. 
father. You look weary. Luffy, end this now. Your boys sought this out. You're right. These are the actions of a boy. Treat them as such. You and I can end this here now, before there's further bloodshed. We are beyond diplomacy now, Warfather. You get what he came for. War and death. So be it. The Asgard warriors are teleported back to Asgard. Odin, as you can imagine, is not happy with Thor's action, to say the least. Why did you bring us back? You realize what you've done, what you've started? I was protecting my home. You had a need to protect your friends. How could you hope to protect the kingdom? Get to the healing room. No! There won't be a kingdom to protect if you're afraid to act. The Jotuns must learn to fear me, just as they once feared you. That's pride and vanity talking, not leadership. You've forgotten everything I taught you. But a warrior's patience. While you wait and be patient, the Nine Realms laugh at us. If the old ways are done, you'd stand giving speeches while Asgard falls. You are a vain, greedy, cruel boy! And you are an old man and a fool! was a fool to think you were ready. Father. Hey! Thor, Odin's son, you have betrayed the express command of your king. Through your arrogance and stupidity, you have opened these peaceful realms and innocent lives to the horror and desolation of war. Unworthy of these realms, unworthy of your title! You're unworthy of the loved ones you have betrayed. I now take from you your power in the name of my father. Whosoever holds this hammer, if he be worthy, shall possess the power of Thor. So Thor is transported to modern day and he lands in New Mexico where the film began. Thor's hammer is also transported and had a spell put on it as spoken by Odin at the end of the last clip. I think that was legally your fault. Get the first aid kit. Do me a favor and don't be dead. <gasps> Whoa, does he need CPR? Because I totally know CPR. 
Where did he come from? You alright? I'm up. I'm up! Yeah, we can tell you're hammered. It's pretty obvious. Oh my god, Eric, look at this! We have to move quickly before this all changes. Jane, we have to take him to the hospital. Father! He's fine, look at him. I'm down! I know you can hear me. Open the Bifrost! Hospital, you go. I'll stay. You. What realm is this? Alfheim? Dornheim? New Mexico? You dare threaten me. Thor was so puny a weapon. What? He was freaking me out. Next time you decide to taser somebody, make sure he's already in the car, okay? Jane! Come on. Ha! <laughs> nice taser to the chest by Darcy knocks out the mighty Thor, and they take him to the hospital as they think he's just some drunk homeless guy. Name? He said it was Thor? T-H-O-R. And your relationship to him? I've never met him before. Until she hit him with a car. I grazed him. But she tasered him. Yes, I did. Hi. Just taking a little blood. How dare you attack the son of Odin! I need some help! I need help. You don't think this was just a magnetic storm, do you? Look, the lensing around these edges is characteristic of an Einstein Rosenbridge. A what? I thought you were a science major. Political science. She was the only applicant. An Einstein Rosenbridge is a theoretical connection between two different points of space. The wormhole. Hmm. Eric, look, what do you see? Stars. Yeah, but not our stars. See, this is the star alignment for our quadrant this time of year. And unless Ursa Minor decided to take a day off, these are someone else's constellations. Hey, check this out. No, it can't be. I think I left something at the hospital. Lost my most important piece of evidence. Typical. So now what? We find him. Did you see what he did in there? I'm not sure finding him is the best idea. Well, our data can't tell us what it was like to be inside that event, and he can, so we're gonna find him. Okay. So you're gonna look all over New Mexico, right? Exactly. What? I'm so sorry. 
and Jane knocks out Thor again by backing the Jeep into him after he breaks out of the hospital. By the way, just on a personal movie-watching preference note, I'm not into fantasy worlds and sci-fi worlds, you know, things like that. Part of the reason I actually enjoyed Thor is the modern era scenes. If the film mostly took place in Asgard, I would be bored out of my mind. Now, I realize there are plenty of folks into fantasy. They like Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings, but that's not my bag, baby. I'm just saying. In the meantime, a group of residents tried to extract Thor's hammer from the ground after it landed near where Thor was transported. Now, this is a funny scene where we get to see the Stanley cameo. He's trying to tow the hammer out of the ground by driving a pickup truck. This is also the scene that calls back to the after credit scene from Iron Man 2 where S.H.I.E.L.D. Agent Coulson appears and he sees the crater where Thor's hammer landed. Back on Asgard, Loki admits that to the warrior crew that he's the one that told Hemdall to alert Odin of Thornton's plan to start a battle. Then Loki gets some news of his own from Odin. my son. What more than that? The casket wasn't the only thing you took from Jotunheim that day, was it? No. In the aftermath of the battle, I went into the temple, and I found a baby. Small, for a giant's offspring. Abandoned, suffering, left to die. Laufey's son. Laufey's son? Yes. Why? You were knee-deep in Jotun blood. Why would you take me? You were an innocent child. No. You took me for a purpose. What was it? Sell me! I thought we could unite our kingdoms one day, bring about an alliance, bring about a permanent peace through you. But those plans no longer matter. So I am no more than another stolen relic, locked up here until you might have use of me. Why'd you twist my words? You could have told me what I was from the beginning. Why didn't you? You're my son. I wanted only to protect you from the truth. Well, because I, I, I'm the monster that parents tell their children about at night? No. You know, it all makes sense now why you favored Thor all these years. Because no matter how much you claim to love me, you can never have a frost giant sitting on the throne of Asgard.
Odin crumples over, dying, as the stress of the last day is just too much for him. Anyway, let's lighten up the mood a bit by going back to New Mexico, my favorite place in the film, and Thor experiencing earthling food for the first time. How'd you get inside that cloud? Also, how could you eat an entire box of Pop-Tarts and still be this hungry? This drink, I like it. I know, it's great, right? Another! Sorry, Izzy, little accident. What was that? It was delicious, I want another. Well, you could have just said so. I just did. No, I mean, ask nicely. I meant no disrespect. All right, well, no more smashing. Deal? You have my wood. Good. The usual, please, Izzy. You missed all the excitement out at the crater. Seeing some kind of satellite landed out in the desert. Yeah, we were having a good time with it until the Fed showed up. Excuse me, did you say there was a satellite crash? Yeah. Oh my God, this is going on Facebook, smile. What did it look like, the satellite? Well, I don't know anything about satellites, but it was heavy. I mean, nobody could lift it. They said it was radioactive. I had my hands all over it. Which way? Oh, uh, 50 miles west of here. But I wouldn't waste my time. Looked like the whole army was coming when we left. Fifty miles west of here. Why? To get what belongs to me. Oh, so you own a satellite now? It's not what they say it is. Well, whatever it is, the government seems to think it's theirs, so you just intend to go in there and take it? Yes. If you take me there now, I'll tell you everything you wish to know. Everything? Yes. All the answers you seek will be yours once I reclaim your name. Mia Mia? What's Mia Mia? Can I have a word, Jane? Please don't do this. You saw what I saw last night. This is no coincidence. We have to find out what's in that crater. But I'm not talking about the crater. I'm talking about him. But he's promising us answers. He's delusional. Listen to what he's saying. He's talking about Mjolnir and, and Thor and Bifrost. It's the stories I grew up with as a child. I'm just going to drive him. That's it. He's dangerous, Jane. I'm sorry, but I can't take you. And this is where we say goodbye. <laughs> um. Thank you. <laughs> Jane Foster, Eric Selvig, Darcy, farewell. All right. Back to work. In the meantime, Agent Coulson has confiscated all of Jane's equipment. What the hell is going on here? Ms. Foster, I'm Agent Coulson with S.H.I.E.L.D. Is that supposed to mean something to me? You can't do Jane. this. Jane, this is a lot more serious than you realize. Let it go. Let it go? This is my life. We're investigating a security threat. We need to appropriate your records and all your atmospheric data. By appropriate, do you mean steal? Here, this should more than compensate you for your trouble. I can't just buy replacements at Radio Shack. I made most of this equipment myself. And I'm sure you can do it again. And I'm sure I can sue you for violating my constitutional rights. I'm sorry, Miss Foster, but we're the good guys. So are we. 
I'm on the verge of understanding something extraordinary. And everything I know about this phenomenon is either in this lab or in this book, and you can't just take this away. Hey! Hey, change. Easy. Easy. Thank you for cooperation. Years of research, gone. They even took my iPod. What about the backups? They took our backups. They took the backups of our backups. They were extremely thorough. Just downloaded like 30 songs onto there. Could you please stop with your iPod? Who are these people? I knew the scientist, the pioneer in gamma radiation. She showed up and, um, he wasn't heard from again. They're not going to do that to us. I'm going to get everything back. Uh, please, let me contact one of my colleagues. He's had some dealings with these people before. I'll email him and maybe he can help. They took your laptop too? Back on Asgard, because Odin is essentially in a coma and Thor has been banished, Loki is now the acting ruler of Asgard. So what could possibly go wrong? Father, we must speak with you urgently. My friends. Where's Odin? Father has fallen into the Odin sleep. Mother fears he may never awaken again. We would speak with her. She has refused to leave my father's bedside. You can bring your urgent matter to me. Your king. My king, we would ask that you end Thor's punishment. <laughs> My first command cannot be to undo the Allfather's last. We're on the brink of war with Jotunheim. Our people need a sense of continuity in order to feel safe in these difficult times. All of us must stand together for the good of Asgard. Yes, of course. Good, then you will wait for my word. If I may, I beg the indulgence of <laughs> your majesty to perhaps reconsider. We're done. All right, let's get out of boring Asgard and return back to New Mexico where Thor attempts to acquire a horse from a local pet store. I need a horse. We don't have horses, just dogs, cats, birds. And give me one of those large enough to ride. Hey, you still need a lift? I've never done anything like this before. Have you ever done anything like this before? Many times. 
But you're brave to do it. Well, you just stole my entire life's work. I don't really have much left to lose. Yeah, but you're clever. <laughs> Far more clever than anyone else in this realm. Realm? Realm? You think me strange? Yeah, I do. Good strange or bad strange? I'm not quite sure yet. <laughs> I'm sorry. But who are you? Really? You'll see soon enough. You promised me answers. What you seek, it's a bridge. Like, like a Nightstone Rosen bridge? More like a rainbow bridge. God, I hope you're not crazy. Now, S.H.I.E.L.D. has set up a uh, shield of sorts around Thor's hammer. Thor's mission is to get his hammer back and also retrieve Jane's confiscated equipment. Even though Thor takes out a number of guards and gets to his hammer, he's not able to pick it up as Odin has placed the spell on it. For those only worthy enough of the hammer, and they're the only ones that are able to lift it. And then we get a Christopher Reeves Superman scream, <laughs> where Thor is unable to take his mighty hammer back. Keeping with the MCU theme here, Hawkeye, played by Jeremy Renner, was on site to potentially take out Thor. But Thor is apprehended by S.H.I.E.L.D. I man, some of the most highly trained professionals in the world look like a bunch of minimum wage mall cops. That's hurtful. In my experience, it takes someone who's received similar training to do what you did to them. Why don't you tell me where you received your training? Pakistan? Chechnya? Afghanistan? No, you strike me more as the soldier of fortune type. Where was it? South Africa? Certain groups pay very well for a good mercenary like you. Who are you? One way or another, we find out what we need to know. We're good at that. Don't go anywhere. doing here? I had to see you. What's happened? Tell me, is it Jotunheim? Let me explain to father. Father is dead. What? Your banishment. The threat of a new war. It was too much for him to bear. You mustn't blame yourself. I know that you loved him. I tried to tell him so, but he wouldn't listen. It was so cruel to put the hammer within your reach, knowing that you could never lift it. The burden of the throne has fallen to me now. Can I come up? Truce with the Jotunheim is conditional upon your exile. Yes, but couldn't we find a way? And mother has forbidden your return. This is goodbye, brother. 
I'm so sorry. I am sorry. Thank you for coming here. Farewell. I just got back. Now, of course, everything that Loki said was a lie. Loki leaves thinking that he has solved everything. Thor is out of the picture, and Loki is now the ruler of Asgard. Eric, now believing what Thor has told him may be true, even if it's based on the mythology told in children's books, attempts to get Thor out of custody of S.H.I.E.L.D. His name is Donald Blake. Dr. Donald Blake. You have dangerous co-workers, Dr. Selvig. He was distraught when he found out that you'd taken all of our research. That was years of his life, gone. You can understand how a man could go off like that. A big faceless organization like yours coming in with their jackbooted thugs and... That's how he put it. That still doesn't explain how he managed to tear through our security. Steroids! He's a bit of a fitness nut. Sir? says here that he's an MD. Well, he is. Or he was. He uh, switched careers and became a physicist. A, a brilliant physicist. He's a, he's a wonderful man. He's a man in pain. Oh, Johnny, Johnny, Johnny. There you are. It's gonna be all right. I'm taking you home now. Dr. Selvig, just keep him away from the bars. I will. Where are we going? To get a drink. I had it all backwards. I had it all wrong. It's not a bad thing finding out that you don't have all the answers. You start asking the right questions. first time in, in my life, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do. Anyone who's ever going to find his way in this world has to start by admitting he doesn't know where the hell he is. Thank you for what you've done. No, don't thank me. I only did it for Jay. My father and I taught at university together. He was a good man. I never listened. Neither did I. My father was trying to teach me something, but I was too stupid to see it. I don't know if you're delusional or if you're pulling some kind of con. I don't care. I just care about her. I've seen the way she looks at you. I swear to you, I mean her no harm. Good. In that case, I'll buy another round. You leave town tonight. Do boilermakers. 
Loki, knowing he's the son of Laffy, the ruler of the Frost Giants, he conspires with Laffy to bring down Asgard. Kill him. After all I've done for you. So you're the one who showed us the way into Asgard. That was just a bit of fun, really. To ruin my brother's big day. And to protect the realm from his idiotic rule for a while longer. I will hear you. I will conceal you and a handful of your soldiers lead you into Odin's chambers and you can slay him where he lies. Why not kill him yourself? I suspect that the Asgardians would not take kindly to a king who had murdered his predecessor. Once Odin is dead, I will return the casket to you. And you can return Jotunheim to all its, uh, glory. After wiping out Eric in a drinking competition, Thor returns carrying Eric over his shoulder to Jane's camper. Thor then explains the Nine Realms to Jane. I come up here sometimes when I can't sleep or when I'm trying to reconcile particle data or when Darcy's driving me crazy. I come up here a lot actually now that I think about it. I'm really glad you're safe. You've been very kind to me. I, I've been far less grateful than you deserve. Well, I hit you with my car a couple times, so I think that kind of evens things out. <laughs> Perhaps I had it coming. Oh, my God. I don't believe it. <laughs> it was all I could get back. I'm sorry it's not as much as I promised. No, no, this is great. This is... I don't have to start from scratch now. Thank you. What's wrong? Shield, whatever they are. They're gonna do everything in their power to make sure this research never sees the light of day. No, Jane. Listen to me, you must not give up. You must finish what you started. Why? Because you're right. Yeah, look. Your ancestors called it magic, and you call it science. Well, I come from a place where they're one and the same thing. What is that? My father explained it to me like this, that your world is one of the nine realms of the cosmos, linked to each other by the branches of Yggdrasil, the world's tree. Now you see it every day without realizing. The images glimpsed through, uh, what did you call it, this, uh, this Hubble telescope. Hubble. Hubble telescope. <laughs> Tell me more. So the nine realms. Now there is Midgard, which is Earth. Alfheim, Vanaheim, Jotunheim, and Asgard. 
There's about 40 minutes left, plenty left to solve. Though I'm sure you can guess the outcome even if you haven't seen the film. However, there is a bit of a twist that may surprise some. Again, I enjoy the modern Earth scenes much more than Asgard, but that's a personal preference by me. I will say the back and forth between the two worlds is done often, so you never get too much of one area. I thought that was very smart by the director. Now with Iron Man, the films get progressively worse in quality, though definitely watchable. However, with Thor, as I mentioned earlier, and arguably Captain America, the films get better and better as they go. With Ragnarok, again, being one of my favorite films in all of the MCU uh, universe. I think while the cast in Thor is very good, the key to this series is having Tom Hiddleston as Loki. He has the right vibe and look to play the character, and it goes without saying, Chris Hemsworth as Thor was also the perfect choice. He is exactly what you would imagine Thor would look like on screen from the comic books. Also, I think Rene Russo was kind of underused in the first film as Thor's mother. For the after credits scene, we get a message that Thor will return in the movie The Avengers. We now know this as an afterthought, but at the time, the notion of finally having a proper Avengers movie was super exciting. Now, the actual after credit scene shows Eric meeting with Nick Fury, played by Samuel L. Jackson. Dr. Selby. So you're the man behind all this? It's quite a labyrinth. I was thinking they're taking me down here to kill me. <laughs> I've been hearing about the New Mexico situation. Your work has impressed a lot of people who are much smarter than I am. I have a lot to work with. The Foster Theory, a gateway to another dimension, is unprecedented. Isn't it? Legend tells us one thing, history another. But every now and then we find something that belongs to both. Power, Doctor. If we can figure out how to tap it, maybe unlimited power. Well, I guess that's worth a look. Well, I guess that's worth a look. And the voice you heard was actually Loki, who was either impersonating Eric through his powers and or had Eric under his spell. Okay, there were a number of deleted scenes. I'll quickly go through them. There was Thor and Loki before the coronation. This is actually a funny scene where Loki asks if Thor is nervous, and the two go back and forth about their past mischievous ways. In Loki's case, it's still occurring because he plays a prank on the servant. There's another one called Warriors 3 and Sif turn off their weapons. It's another funny scene before the coronation. Uh, Thor and Frigga. Frigga is the mom played by Rene Russo. Thor's mom says it's okay to be nervous before the coronation. It's another funny scene. 
Frigga confronts Odin after Thor's banishment. Frigga and Odin argue about his decision, and this is a great scene between Hopkins and Russo. I think it should have been left in, honestly. Eric sings with Thor. They were at the bar. Eric gets belligerent, and they leave and sing in the streets. Darcy's dog, quick scene towards the last battle. Eric is saved by Thor. It's a battle scene in New Mexico, as the title suggests, and involves an Asgard healing stone. As you may have noticed, almost all of the scenes that were comedic were cut out. Uh, I believe this was rectified in Ragnarok, which is by far the funniest film of the MCU. All right, some fun facts. So Sam Raimi, who really brought back superhero films in the early 2000s with his vision of Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire, he wanted to write and direct a Thor film back in the early 90s, but the studio just didn't understand his vision of the character. And maybe it was best held off until the MCU occurred, I guess. So to prepare for the role of Thor, Chris Hemsworth put on a massive amount of bulk and weight through a six-month regimen of trips to the gym, and he indulged in a massive diet of eggs, chicken, sandwiches, vegetables, brown rice, steak, and protein drinks. Yeah, I have a similar diet, but I look like a frost giant. Brad Pitt, Channing Tatum, and the wrestler Triple H, Daniel Craig, and Chris's brother Liam were all considered for the part of Thor. Actually, Liam should have played Loki, but oh well. Mel Gibson turned down the offer to play Odin. That would have been a nice reunion for a lethal weapon, you know. So this is Rene Russo's first movie in six years. According to Russo, it was her daughter who persuaded her to work on the movie after a long sabbatical. Speaking of a long sabbatical, it's been a while since I had our special guest Rachel on. So she's going to talk about Thor and her love of the MCU. And it's good to have her back on. And then I'll be back next week to talk about yet another random movie from my DVD collection. Okay, we are back with Rachel. Welcome back. Hello, hello. I feel like it's been a million years. It has, and I think it might have been another superhero movie. I think we talked about Iron Man 2, if I recall correctly. That sounds right. Well, if you don't, if you're not aware of Rachel, go back in the archives of Damn Good Movie Memories and check out uh, Talking Movies with Rachel, where I go through all of the old questions with her, and she gives me great answers. So, um, most not all of the old ones, because there's some that I couldn't answer because I infamously don't watch movies, which makes me an all-star guest on this <laughs> podcast that is about movies. See, this is what I miss about being in the office because we'd always play the the Rachel game, which is had you have you seen this, and and inevitably you would surprise me or, or actually shock me about what movies you had seen. <laughs> yeah, I actually recently um, perhaps narcissistically re-listened to that episode because oh, cool. I had told a friend of mine, because he was looking for podcasts to listen to, and I had somehow it came up that I or and then we were talking about movies, and I, mm-hmm. and I had mentioned that I had done that particular episode of this podcast, and, he, and I sent it to him. And so, because I knew he was going to want to talk to me about it afterwards, I was like, I should listen to this too, because I don't remember what I said anymore. (laughs) Um, But it's funny listening to it, because I think there were a couple movies that we talked about Mm -hmm. that I hadn't seen that I now have seen, but I don't remember which, like, if that's actually a real thing that I thought I heard, or if I'm just making shit up. Well, how did uh, how did your friend feel about after he- hearing the episode? Did does he listen to more episodes, or was it a one and done? Uh, I'm not sure. I didn't follow up and ask. Um, but it, this came up because he asked me what my favorite movie set in the Bay Area was. Oh, okay, perfect. And, and there, I, it, 
there yeah. was an episode about that. <laughs> and yeah, and because I, I remembered I answered the question. Mm -hmm. um, and I think yours was specifically San Francisco. Yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah, he, he called me and was like, how wild is it that I literally asked you the exact same question? <laughs> and I'm like, well, it wasn't the same question, but my answer was the same. <laughs> <laughs> well, he should start a podcast. That, that's always <laughs> that's my right. answer to people. That's so right. regarding Thor, you know, I know past episodes I've asked you about the, you know, the MCU and, and I, and how you've viewed these films. And I believe it wasn't in order. Um, but do you remember, did you see the first Thor movie before the sequels? Like how, how did you see this, this particular film? So this the movie, the first Thor was actually the first MCU movie I saw period. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 I saw it at my cousin's house. They have like a home theater room. Um, and it was the first time I had seen any movie in that setup because they had redone their house. And so we were in, you know, they had like the leveled seating with the couches and the projector screen and like the padded walls and everything. It was really cool. Mm. Um, so I saw it in that environment and it was my first Marvel movie, like first MCU movie. And I feel like it was actually a pretty good one to jump into knowing nothing. Mm -hmm. um, partially because like the character of Thor like exists outside of like, like you, like, like you've heard of them before, you know, right. it's, not like, it's not like Iron Man where you're like, what is this? Yes. Um, it's such an entertaining movie on its own that I didn't even really occur to me that like the MCU was going to, was intended to be this overarching vastly connected series of movies with different characters. Right. I just knew that it was like by the same people who had done, you know, some of the other movies, which I think at that point, the only one I was really aware of was Captain America. Mm -hmm. And I had heard that people thought Captain America was boring, which now having mm -hmm. seen it, I hugely disagree. Okay. Um, but yeah, so Thor was the first MCU movie I saw and I didn't know anything about any, anything about anything going well, I think, into it. Yeah. I think for casual fans, I think it's Avengers that really people kind of figured out like, Oh, there was a plan all along with this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I, I think part of the problem, if you want to call it a problem with the first Thor film or any film in any series is getting the origin story out of the way. Yeah. But, but I think with the case with Thor, I, I don't think it was a bad thing since it wasn't a legacy character. It's not like Batman or Superman or Spider-Man. So, but I'm assuming this th particular Thor movie is your least favorite of the th four Thor films. Um, no, hmm. maybe no, <laughs> no, I would say the second one is my least favorite. Cause the second one's just bad. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> what is that? Whichever one that is, was it dark something? Yeah. The dark world. Yeah. Hmm. I remember when we, we did a, I did a MCU rewatch in order, um, during the pan, like the stay really big stay at home times of the pandemic. And yeah, when we got to that one, I realized like, I don't think I ever saw this movie. And after we watched it, I was like, yeah, I don't, that was pointless. Why does this movie exist? So I would say that one is my least favorite, but I really like the first one. Um, mostly because I really like Jane Foster as an origin story. It's like compelling without feeling like it's explaining too much to you. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Now in terms of the other, like Ragnarok and what's the last one called? I still love and thunder. It. Yeah. So how, where did I'm assuming Ragnarok's your favorite? Cause that's most people's favorite. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, that one is super fun. Love and thunder was also fun. I think it was too fun though. Like I mm. think it, it was a little, almost like Flanders Z. Ah, you know? okay. Yeah. But I appreciated that they incorporated plot lines from like the mighty Thor comic series. And that's, I know that's like a big reason why Natalie Portman agreed to come back and like, be Jane Foster again is because they took some storylines from her that character's arc in the comic series which uh, my partner had read and so I was mm -hmm. familiar with um, so I liked 
that she was back, but that was kind of about it for me. So you would rank them Ragnarok, the first Thor movie, then Love and Thunder, then the second one. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. All right. Casting wise, I personally couldn't imagine a better Thor than Chris Hemsworth, you know, along with his parents, you know, Anthony Hopkins and Rene Russo. And then, of course, Tom Hiddleston as Loki. So I think they knocked it out of the park with, you know, the the ancient lore of, uh, you know, the Thor world. However, with the modern casting of the New Mexico crew, you already said you love Natalie Portman. Would you have picked anyone else in the, you know, the modern world? That's a good question. I don't think so. But again, I literally just watched this movie like an hour ago. Yeah. So, so the characters <laughs> and who they actually are are very much like, yeah, okay, that's who they are. I just sure. saw them do it and they did fine. Um, yeah, I, I think I might be biased towards Natalie Portman because I just love Natalie Portman sure. as a person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and as a person who was a the right demographic when the Star Wars prequels came out. Right. Um, that uh, she just makes sense to me. But I really, oh my God, what is her name? Um, Darcy? Darcy. Darcy. Oh, Kat Dennings. Yeah, Kat Dennings. I like her too. And mm-hmm. I kind of forgot. So I watched this movie first and then I didn't watch it for a really long time. And then it came up during the rewatch. Um, and then, of course, since then, I've watched a bunch of other stuff, including all the other MCU things and the shows and stuff. So I was really pleasantly surprised to see Darcy come up again in WandaVision. Right. Um, I really liked her character there, too. Yeah, it's always tough. I always ask those questions because it is hard because you're so used to them. But there are times when you're like, yeah, maybe they could have had someone else. But yeah, yeah. I'm not like I don't think I'm familiar with enough actors mm. <laughs> to be able yeah, to we've established that. <laughs> But you never know. So Yeah, yeah. I could throw you just something totally random and weird. Well, that's <laughs> and for hear. like no reason, just because they were like, oh yeah, I like them in this other thing, but they have like no business. Well, that's okay. That's why I have you on too. So yeah. You never know what you're going to get. So you, I, have me, you have me on so I can not answer any of the questions. <laughs> well, no. That's, hey, your answers are great. That's, that's why I have you on. Uh, the key to any great film is a great villain. And in mm-hmm. some ways, and especially this film you have multiple villains because loki kind of straddles that line so how do you feel about the loki character uh in this film and then in general in general i really like loki in this film it's a little hard to watch because Mm. he's just so not hard to watch because it's poorly done or poorly Mm -hmm. written or anything but in fact the opposite like it's so I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm a little sibling. Maybe it's because mm. I don't know. But there's something about his pain in this movie that is so sad. Right. Yeah. Like he's just trying to prove himself in all the wrong ways for all the wrong reasons. Like it, when he and Thor are confronting each other kind of towards the end, he says, you know, I just wanted to prove I was a worthy son. And it was like by lying and outcasting. And <laughs> like, do you think that was going to work? Yeah. I feel more like pity him than anything else in this so movie if you were uh loki's parents so odin or frigga how what would you would you have changed your parenting style for loki because <laughs> obviously thor kind of was a spoiled brat yeah. you know until he figured it out yeah i don't know like it's a complicated situation because even when he confronts odin like when he reveals to him the truth of his origins right mm-hmm. like that he was adopted essentially right um and kind of pressed him on the reasoning for it and then you know odin confesses that it was kind of like a political move too it's kind of like i don't know if i would have said that even if it even if it's honest i don't think i don't think you need to say it Mm -hmm. (laughs) like especially because that was the thinking at the time when he was just this like little baby and now you know they've lived a life with him as their son you know, and I think he tried. He tried to really emphasize, like, you are my son. It doesn't matter. You are my son. But once Loki heard that, it was just like, 
you know, there was no, there's, you know, you can't unsay that. Right. He saw red and that was it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. He was going to, he was going to go full tilt. So from your last viewing, which is literally an hour ago. So <laughs> um, what did you enjoy and what did you not enjoy compared to maybe the first couple times you saw the film? I really, en- I, re- I mean, just generally, I really enjoy yeah. Chris Hemsworth. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and again, perfect casting, but also he's a beautiful little dude. Oh, no doubt. Um, and I actually, so, you know, I said I really liked Dr. Jane Foster, but I realized when I was rewatching this movie, she's a little cuckoo, but it's just sort of like, she just immediately has like such, she goes like little goo goo gaga as soon as she sees, sees Thor, <laughs> like immediately. Yeah. <laughs> and I think yeah. it was something that I never really quite picked up on in other watches of the movie. And I don't know why, but maybe it was just because I wasn't really like thinking about that aspect of, of it. Um, but yeah, I'm just like, girl you're a scientist pull yourself together like i know he's he's literally a god so like maybe it's different but yeah how would you react i I found found it less believable oh i would probably react the same exactly so you can't give her that much (laughs) (laughs) um that's what it is it's like don't this is too loud you are you are doing what i would do and i i mean what is it i'm in this picture and i don't like it yeah Um, No, I th- I think that was just like something I had never co- totally picked up on in other rewatches, and maybe it's because I was blinded by my love for Natalie Portman, who is ah. also a beautiful human being. So when you get when you get two beautiful human beings making hard eyes at each other on screen, you can get away with a lot because everyone's just like they're hot. It's cool. That's right. That's right. No, it's it's like when uh, Brad and Angelina did Mr. and Mrs. Smith. It's uh, it's much like those films. Yeah. Yeah, which I've never seen it, but I know what you're talking about. But yeah, I mean that's how they <laughs> they kind of met. So um, was there anything you don't like as much uh, you know that you maybe liked when you first saw the film i'm not sure because it's hard like it's hard to remember what i what watching the film was like the first time because there was so much i didn't know and every time that i've watched it since then i have known more because i've seen more of the movies and you know sure or all of them (laughs) at this point uh or have seen like the sequels and know what happens to a lot of these characters ultimately um so it's kind of hard to watch the movie the same way once you know all that stuff yeah and that's that's true it's uh, it's tough to go back in time i think this happens often when you're a kid when, when you see movies first when you're a kid and then you grow up and watch that same movie you might have loved mm-hmm. and then you're like oh now i see the flaws and whatever it may be maybe it would be characters or whatever just you know that's uh yeah it's kind of interesting sometimes to do that but you were you weren't a kid when you saw this so. uh no i was was this 2011 yeah and then i saw it when it had been on, out on dvd because we sure. were at you know my cousin's house so yeah i was like 18 definitely a not kid. A kid. I, i'm yeah. not a kid not a child but like, <laughs> like you know like i was a kid a, a, a younger person so yeah how would you rank thor as a character compared to the other main characters in the mcu so think iron man hulk captain america spider-man black panther dr strange ant-man captain marvel you know those all types the, of characters all, yeah. the, all the good old avengers that's right um, i he's probably one of my favorites i think okay. You, with the exception of the last movie where maybe things got a little bit too goofy, I feel like he's always been the right balance of like serious, respectable hero, but like funny, entertaining. I, I also really appreciate the kind of like fish out of water trope, I guess, where yeah. he's the, you know, God from a different realm. Like, and then he pops down on earth and he's, you know, chucking his coffee mug at the ground and like doing like weird <laughs> stuff. And I think like I, I appreciate that humor because it's kind of nice to be reminded that like being a human being on earth is like kind of goofy. Yes. Um, and so when you have someone who like has never done that, um, 
is very it tickles me and it never it never stops being funny to me. yeah and he, he's got a great i mean i i think he plays the character perfectly because he looks it he's got the build but he's also got a great sense of humor right, as an actor yeah so just to wrap this up if you were to make your own thor movie to <laughs> after <laughs> the last one where what kind of situation would you put thor in Oh, I would just have him do a bunch of everyday normal shit. Okay. Yeah, I like yeah. that too. Yeah. <laughs> just like Thor. Um, Going to the DMV. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like files his taxes. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, or like the DMV, or something less bureaucratic, but still very everyday. Like goes to a Trader Joe's. <laughs> <laughs> like I would love to see Thor in a Trader Joe's. I feel like that would be really fun. Well, I would like to see him audited for not filing his taxes because, you know, obviously he's in a different realm. So, yeah, that's yeah. it's been. A and somehow the somehow the IRS would still know exactly how much money he owes them. Absolutely. And but so refused to tell him. <laughs> yeah, I think Agent. Uh, oh, God, what's it? Clark? Uh, agent Colson would be the Coulson. perfect IRS agent. Yeah. Yeah, he does have IRS energy. He does. He does. Especially in this movie. I think that's the other thing, too, is that like the evolution of Agent Colson was also like a fun thing to see develop because in just this movie, I'm like, who is this dude? <laughs> what is his deal? He needs to calm down. And, and I have one more question, because I, I thought they didn't use Rene Russo enough in this film, but maybe it was because there was going to be you know, a larger role at some point. But what do you think? Do you think they could have used her more, or was it just you know, part, of the, part of the ensemble? That's Thor's mom, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it would have been nice to see more of her. And knowing that she does have like more to do later. yeah. But I think there was there were kind of, there was kind of a lot happening in this movie. There were a lot of plots. Thor is on Earth, and then there's like the whole Thor and Jane thing, and then there's Loki like trying to be the king. But then there's also the Frost Giants. But then there's also like, but then there's also Shield and what there there was kind of like a lot of moving things happening at the same time, and it kind of felt like there were you know the the trope about the Marvel movies that there's always like the big fight. Always, yeah. There were like two of those. Yep really close to each other like back to back in this movie so i feel like it makes sense that they didn't do like expand more on maybe some of the like family ties <laughs> back in asgard just because there was already a lot happening true and i think yeah. if i recall they may have cut out some of her scenes too because actually this is one of the shorter films at 114 minutes which i think is nice watching some of the earlier films because yeah. they get to get they become really like bloated two and a half hours yeah <laughs> and i keep i keep this is going to date this episode but you know the new john wick movie is almost three hours long there's it's not the godfather it doesn't need to be three hours long it's an action movie so yeah and yeah. I've, I've only seen parts of the first john wick movie right um and it was because my partner was watching it and i happened to be like coming in out of the room and i was kind of like oh, okay like i get it that's yeah. what this you know that's what these movies are are they all like this yep pretty okay. much yeah why does it need to be three hours long? like and it was great the first one like yeah. parts of it that i saw super entertaining um i totally understand why it's like a big deal but yeah i was similarly like does it need to be three hours no there are certain movies that i'm really excited about uh being long but i feel like it's also weird thinking about marvel and mcu now in the world that we live in i think like one just because there's so much of it now and yes. a lot of the more recent movies are pretty long it does seem a little bit like like it's become bloated and i sort of feel like we're we're kind of past it. Like we don't really need it anymore. And I don't know what it, if it was like the timing of the whole um, infinity war saga mm -hmm. ending, you know, in 2019. And then all of a sudden the pandemic happened and now grappling with a world where they're, you know, where a bunch of people are no longer in it. Mm -hmm. was just something that felt a little bit less 
like a fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. I I think in general, these, these films, though they should still be made. I I think these characters really lend themselves to TV now because comic comic books in general are episodic. So why not just make episodes out of these? And then you don't have to do a, a three hour movie now. Yeah. And the shows have all been pretty good too. I really like all of them. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And you kind of get everything you want there and you're not kind of stuck in a theater for three hours. <laughs> no, it is kind I know, of... I had, to, I had to be like mentally prepared for... Oh my God, which one was it? Endgame. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I mean, if you think about it, it was it five hours in total? Was it? Just about? It three or... I well, I mean, know. if you combine both... Uh, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Two. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they uh, had a lot to wrap up. But... They did. They did. And we'll get there at some point. <laughs> so, in about 10 years. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, as always, thank you so much, Rachel. It's always great having you on. And again, you've been here from almost the beginning. So it's great. Almost. I think my episode is like 103 or 113. or That's not it's bad. A, it's got a three in it. So, And I first popped up a little bit earlier than that with being really bad at trivia. Oh, that's right. That's right. Oh. Those, those are fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. Go back, folks, and check out the early episodes. They're they're still a lot of fun. You get to hear with all the people I worked with. <laughs> the origins of hard pass. The <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I forgot that. <laughs> hard pass. Yeah. My <laughs> well, legacy. thank you. Oh, that is your legacy. So thank you again. Thank you. If you are ever in the San Francisco Bay Area and still love collecting or renting DVDs or VHS tapes, come check out Captain Video and San Mateo at 2837 South El Camino Real. Captain Video is open six days a week and closed on Wednesday, and one of the last traditional video stores still running in the United States. New movies you can rent for $2.99 a day. Old movies you can rent for $2.99 for five days. And if renting isn't your thing, you can also purchase anything you find in the store. Be sure to tell Ira that you heard about Captain Video from the Damn Good Movie Memories podcast. Happy renting and happy collecting at Captain Captain Video. Video. Come hang out and chill with Brian A. Davis and the Bad Beat. Wednesdays, 11 p.m. Eastern, right here on ThatMetalStation.com.